All right. Good morning, y'all. How you been? Anybody here go to prom last night? Yeah. Brownie points for you. Way to go. Hey, I'm Arthur. I'm one of the pastors here and just really excited about a lot of things that are going on, a lot of great things happening. Uh, it's that time of year. Uh, I have a friend who used to say that May is just as busy as December. You just never see it coming. And so a lot of us are looking at our calendars and going, oh, my goodness, there's a lot going on. But a lot of great things happening at Southcrest. And so if you're watching online this morning, I'm really especially glad that you're watching online. And uh, in, over in Traditions, if you're watching uh, and participating with us this morning, so, so pumped about Traditions. Wow, what a great first day we've had over there already. And, and LaGrange just heard some uh, really good things as well. Uh, I don't know where you know this or not, but um, Pastor Pete at our LaGrange campus, his soccer team won the championship yesterday. And so way to go, Pete. And I don't need to see more pictures of you in shorts on Facebook, please. I'm, I'm really not kidding. Um, but uh, anyway, let's know about that. But whether you're in LaGrange or you're in Traditions or you're online or you're here in Noonan, uh, here's what I want to tell you is that um, don't forget on May 19th, not only is that our day of giving for spaces and places so that we can uh, enhance and expand all of our campuses, but also we're having that night of worship. And so if uh, you're watching somewhere, uh, if you're participating somewhere, then please, please, please make plans to be at our Noonan campus for a night of worship on May 19th at six o'clock. And uh, it's not just going to be a concert, but for those of you who are maturing believers, it's especially a great night for you to plan to be here uh, to worship the Lord. It's going to be a great, great, incredible night. And we're in week two of our series called Different to Make a Difference. And so if you've got a Bible with you, you can uh, turn to Matthew chapter five or you can kind of follow along on the screens because like magic, the words will appear. But really it involves electricity and a bunch of cables. Uh, so it's not really magic. I love being accepted. When I was a newlywed, I would come home and Lori most of the time go, oh, you're home. And she would come, you know, well, what'd you do? And we would, you know, talk and chat. And, you know, if I had, you know, played my cards right, I might get a kiss on the mouth when I walked in the door. Uh, so that was a good thing. And then, and then we had a baby, right? And so when the baby, and so then Josh, he gets old enough to where uh, I come in the door and he gets pretty excited that I'm home. And then we have another kid, Jonathan, and he's pretty excited when I come in the door. And and then Hannah. And so for a while, I mean, life was great. I would come in the door and, you know, four people really excited that I'm home. And then it starts being, oh, you're here. Oh, he's back. You know, it's, it's that kind. Now, they've never said that, but there was just not this, you know, they weren't having a parade when I came home anymore. And, I, you know, so I went from being accepted to being like, uh. Not so much, right? And so then, so then we got a dog, and I didn't realize it, but the great thing about having a dog is the dog is always happy to see me, you know, because dogs, now one thing is dogs have no thumbs, which is hilarious, uh, because they think they can do everything, but they can't do anything because they don't have thumbs. And so, uh, but the other thing that's kind of great, uh, great about a dog is that, you know, you can leave the dog in the house. You can go outside for like, old 37 seconds and come back in and the dog comes like he hasn't seen you in five years. 
Like, oh, because they have no sense of time. They have no idea what, what in the world's going on. They're just like, they just know when it's time to eat. They'll wear, you know, just wear you out, wanting to eat all the time. So anyway, all that's going on. So, I, the, so the dog is pretty happy. Then the dog starts getting old. The dog doesn't want to see me anymore. Uh, and then, you know, so then we get another dog and that dog is just like, you know, who are you? And so I've gone from having a parade every day to, you know, nobody even cares that I'm walking home anymore. Uh, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just sharing that with you because uh, I can't afford counseling and I need therapy. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, is we love being accepted. We love when things, the great things happen. Like this pair of jeans I'm wearing today, I won them. There was a drawing at a store and I was shopping with my daughter. I said, I'm going to fill this out. And I said, I'm going to win this pair of jeans. And she says, there's no way you're going to wear it. I said, yes, I am. And so uh, I filled out and sure enough, two weeks later, they called me and said, you know, you've won a pair of jeans. Come pick out what pair you want. I was like, awesome. And I walked in the store and like, you're the jeans winner. And I'm like, that's not so good, but whatever. Uh, So yeah, I am. Can we take your picture? No, let's don't do that. Uh, So, but you know, we love it when we're, when we're accepted and that people around us like, wow, I'm so glad that you're here. And, you know, and you make a difference when you walk in the room and, you know, and, and what we really don't like though is rejection, right? We, we don't like rejection because when we're rejected, man, life is no fun. Uh, nobody wants to line up to get into the rejection line. Everybody wants to line up to get into the acceptance line, but nobody wants to be rejected because it's difficult and it's painful and it hurts. You know, you lose your job and you're like angry about losing your job or sad about losing your job, but really it's rejection. You look in the mirror and you go, hmm, not quite as young as I used to be. Or there's more of me than there used to be. And you start feeling like, eh, I'm not such a good person. And you start, you know, you start kind of struggling with things like that, right? Or, or maybe, you know, the marriage fell apart. And there, there's rejection there, right? And, and see, and that's, that's the weird thing. Is the acceptance is so powerful. I call it the power of acceptance because, see, you can be loved but still be rejected. But love coupled with acceptance is very powerful, right? Because you're, you love somebody, but then the divorce happens and you still love them. I just can't live with her anymore. I can't handle him. There's still a lot of passion involved there, but like, mm, it's not doing that anymore. Happens all kinds of relationships. We say that, that there's love, but there's also rejection at the same time. And so, it's a heartbreaking thing. You, you know, you find out that someone in your family is really sick, and the prognosis is not good, or you get an unexpected phone call, or you get the expected phone call that somebody's passed away, and it's hard. And bottom line, you feel rejected. That's what it is. You're sad, but you feel rejected. And, you know, Jesus says that he came for the brokenhearted. And so when something difficult happens to us, we endure difficult circumstances. It's it's heartbreaking because things are great. And then... Everything falls apart. And the exterior is all broken. 
And you're like, how in the world are things ever going to get better? And we just say, there's a mess. But it doesn't mean that life is over. It doesn't mean that you can't keep growing just because something got broken. And so today, I want to take a look at what Jesus says about how God blesses people who are broken. Because life's not over. We can still keep growing. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So does that mean God wants you to be sad all the time? That he's going to bless you if you're sad? And the more sad that you can become, the more that he'll bless you? Well, no, that's not what it means. Although some people have taken a real run at that. That's not what it means. Uh, but he says, listen, when you're enduring something difficult, when you're walking through a hard, difficult time, is that you will never be alone and that he is with you and he will bless you as you mourn. And, and this word comforted, now this word comfort does not mean let's just you know, sit beside each other and let's be close and let's hold hands. Comfort means to come alongside someone with strength. In the Greek, the word is parakaleo. And so the, the word is to come alongside someone with strength. And if you've ever endured hurt, and if you're human, you have endured hurt. If you've ever endured hurt, this is what has happened to you, is that if you have opened up to God and say, God, I am hurting, you have found out that he has come alongside you with strength because you're weak. You can't do it. You feel, I can't get through this. I just want it to stop. Almost every week I talk to somebody who tells me because of hurt that they are currently enduring in their life. They can't sleep through the night and that they are struggling to such an extent they just don't want to live anymore. They're not suicidal. They're not talking about, they're just saying, look, God, tell you what, if I go to sleep tonight and I wake up in heaven, I'd be okay with that. Part of that is is what goes on in our society. Part of that is just reality. But most people have a difficult time with what to do when you've been hurt, what to do when your heart's been broken. And here's the thing that's something really important to keep in mind is that God loves you no matter what. And that, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So trust the Lord with all your heart, not part of it, but trust him. You're like, God, why is this happening? Why does this hurt so bad? Trust him. Trust him. There's a purpose that he's walking through you because he is going to make you a more beautiful you. He is going to make you into the person that he created you to be. And he is allowing you to walk through the circumstances because he knows that if you will walk through them with him, that not only will you grow with him, but that you can handle it. He would not allow suffering in your life if he didn't know that you could handle it with him. So God doesn't expect us to be happy all the time. We're not supposed to be just tiptoeing through the tulips all the time and everything great all the time. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be difficult seasons of our life. Solomon writes about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, 
a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, to be sad, and a time to dance. He says, everybody is going to have a season. And so grief, when we have been hurt, we don't have to avoid grief. We don't have to pretend that everything's okay. Look, don't fake it, face it. Grief is essential to our health. You, know, you, you lose your health, you lose your job, you lose your money, you lose your reputation, you lose your dream. I mean, whatever it is, uh, you still say, look, I'm, I'm, God, God, that hurts. It's okay. It is okay to, to walk in that with him. Uh, don't be so out of touch with reality. You say, I'm just going to pretend it's not happening, that it's not there. Uh, look, it, see, the more you love somebody, the more you're going to grieve. The deeper your love for them, the deeper your grief. I, I tell this to people all the time when they get the phone call with the bad news. I say, guys, listen, it is okay to be sad. You don't pretend everything's okay. You're not a better Christian because you say, I say, so, well, look, how are you doing right now? And you go, blessed, brother, I'm blessed. Your mother just died. I, I get that. I, I, I understand that, that what Scripture says, blessed be the Lord who gives and takes away. I get that. But it's also okay to be sad. It's also okay to say this hurts. It's okay to, to, to walk in that. You know, basically what most people do with grief is one of two things. They either repress it or they suppress it. Repress means that you unconsciously don't think about it. You're not aware of it. You do something to get it out of your head. You get distracted or you suppress it. You suppress it meaning that you consciously bury it. You mess it up. You say, I'm done, I'm done with this. I'm going to pretend that everything's okay. And so what happens is uh, over time, it stirs inside of you and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's just like in the 1960s, we thought that burying chemical waste in, barrel, in barrels and putting it underground was a great idea. And then 35 years later, we go, oh, that's a problem. It's ruining groundwater. When you suppress your grief and you don't let it out, at some point, it's going to come out and it is going to be a mess. It's going to be hurtful for you and other people around you. It's going to make you sick. And so we don't pretend that it never happened. We don't fake it. We face it. And we walk in there and we say, yes, this is the grief that I'm dealing with. Because you can't get around grief. You can't pretend that it's not there. You, you can't get over it. You walk through it. That's why David writes in Psalm 23, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. God's not going to abandon you, not going to forsake you, not going to walk away from you. And if you don't let it out in healthy ways, you will let it out in unhealthy ways. It's going to happen. There's no growth, no growth in your life without change. Some people go, I can't stand change. Well, you're never going to grow. There's no growth in your life without change. There's no change without loss. Because every time you change, there's going to be some good parts of it and there's going to be parts that are not so good. So there's no change without loss. There's no loss without pain. And there's no pain without grief. 
And God works in ways that we don't understand to bring about not only his purpose, but to us to have the life that he designed us to have. Psalm 32 verse 3 says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. So we've got an opportunity. You can groan about it or you can grieve. And grieving is healthy. Grieving is okay. Uh, Psalm 39 verse 2 says, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. So you hang on to it. You pretend like, I got it. Or you can be genuine and say, hey, I'm struggling. This hurts. And you can be better. So let's talk for a few minutes about six ways God blesses broken hearts. And these are some things that I've learned over the years. And some of them are things that I have learned personally, some things I've observed in other people's lives about grief. And let's see uh, how this works to be a blessing in our life. Uh, so first thing, when uh, the ways that God blesses broken hearts, uh, the first thing is that God draws us close. When, when you are hurting God says, come close to me. I'm with you. I'm right here. I've never moved. I'm right here with you. And if you've experienced hurt and you've opened up your heart to God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Bible calls this the peace that passes understanding, the peace that nobody understands. See, we all try and go up and say something to somebody when they're hurting. And we're like, I don't know what to say. I'm not sure what to say. And we try to give them the pat on the shoulder or say something kind or encouraging or write them a note. And we're not sure what to say. But, but then God knows what to say because he's your loving heavenly father. And he will say it to you in a gentle, kind whisper and say, I'm right here with you. He will come alongside you with strength. He will comfort you. So God draws us close. Uh, in Psalm 34, 18, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and, and he saves the crushed in spirit. And sometimes you sit there and go, well, I don't think I feel God right now because it hurts so bad. I can't feel anything. Listen, your feelings are not always real. What you feel is not always real. The truth is, is that God is with you in those moments and he's walking with you in those moments and he understands. Hebrews 13, five says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what? Every person that you're ever gonna have a relationship with, some point, somehow, some way, they are going to leave you or forsake you. They're going to abandon you, turn their back on you. They're going to reject you. They're not going to be around when you need them. They're going to say the wrong thing at the right time. That's going to happen. But God will never, ever abandon you, never forsake you, never walk out on you, never say I'm done with you, never say stop talking to me, never say I'm leaving, none of that. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. He loves you with an immeasurable, infinite love that never stops, no matter what. And he accepts you. For most of us in the room, the reason that we began a relationship with God through his son Jesus is very simply that. You experienced rejection most of your life. Maybe it was with friends. Maybe it was personal rejection. Maybe it was you didn't feel like you measured up, but you experienced rejection. Maybe it was from mom and dad, a sister or a brother, whoever. You experienced rejection, a teacher. And somebody said, well, I'll accept you. And then you found out that they really wouldn't and they rejected you. And then somebody told you, showed you, led you from scripture to say that here's what happens is that Jesus accepts you 
right as you are. And it's not conditional. You don't have to do something to get him to love you. You don't have to change your behavior so that he'll love you more. He accepts you. And you said, okay. And that love and acceptance from him was so powerful in that moment as he's shown it to you. You didn't even realize it was happening. He, you didn't realize you were in the dark and he called you out of the dark into the light and started this relationship with you. And you experienced acceptance like you had never imagined existed. He draws close to us. Second thing is God walks with us in our grief. You know, we're made in God's image. And so many of the things that, that we experience, God experiences too. Listen, your dog and your cat and the parakeet and the worm crawling around in the backyard because it rained so much last night is not walking around grieving. They don't grieve. They get hungry. They're not made in God's image. We are made in God's image. And so God walks with us. He understands our grief. Uh, Isaiah 53, 3 says, he was despised and rejected by men. Who's he talking about? Talking about Jesus was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. Like, I don't want anything to do with him. And we esteemed him not. Nobody looked at him and go, hey, he's great. He understands. The, The old King James translation of the Bible says that Jesus came to him. Bind up the brokenhearted, meaning that, that hearts that had been broken, that he said, I'm going to put them back together. What is, is broken in half, I'm going to make whole again. He says, that's what I've come to do. That's the whole idea. That's what he says, I want to do for you. Uh, in John eleven thirty three, Lazarus has died. And so his sister Mary is weeping about the loss of her brother. And it's, it's okay when you lose somebody to, to, to weep because you ought to miss them. You love them. And yeah, you, it's not that, and as Christ followers, it's okay for us to be sad when somebody that's close to us is no longer around because we miss them. Yeah, they're in a better place and we celebrate that they're no longer in pain and that they're no longer suffering, but man, we miss them. I mean, we would love to be with them. My, my wife's mom passed away years ago. Such an incredible godly woman. She had a, a brain tumor. And, you know, we miss her all the time. It, it doesn't come up in conversation every single day, but it comes up in conversation every week. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, talking about Lazarus' sister Mary, and the Jews who'd come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And here's everybody's favorite Bible verse to memorize. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Okay? Some of you thinking, I should start scripture memory. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. You got it? Can you handle that to lunch? Jesus wept. Right? And it's, but no, but Jesus cried out of his soul for his friend. And get this, he knew that he was getting ready in just a minute to bring Lazarus back to life. But he was familiar with the suffering of his sisters. And he says, see how he loved him. Listen, you, you, you can't grieve if you don't love now, now, men, we don't like this. 
Okay, we don't, men, we don't, don't deal with emotions very well anyway, right? So when our daughter is sad or our wife is sad, we're like, hey, I want to make this better, right? So when their daughters are little, like, you want some ice cream? Uh, you, you want to go do something fun? You want to go swimming? Just please stop crying. You're making me nervous. Just what, whatever it takes. And then, you know, and then our wives, you know, like, why are you sad? Do you want to go shopping? I mean, we're desperate. We don't know because we're, we're doofuses. And we're just like, just please stop. Because men, we like being in control. And, and that's something that's kind of out of control. And it's weird and strange. And, you know, and I, I'm like, just mm, please stop crying. Because I, I don't, you know, I like everything being happy and joyful and all that kind of stuff. And this, all this crying is making me kind of nervous. So can you just please stop for a second? And, you know, and, and sometimes you see things. And for men, it's just hard. And we just kind of pretend that, that we're tough. You know, we have this idea that if men show emotions that they're weak, I would tell you that strong men show their emotions. Because strong men are not concerned about what other people think about them. A weak man is trying to look strong around other people and he ends up just looking weak. You know, men, women do a much better job of handling emotions than men do, by and large. You know, sometimes Lori will be crying, and I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, find out what's wrong and trying to help. And she says, I'm okay. I'm just crying. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, maybe, can I ask if it's okay if I just go watch TV? <laughs> I'm telling you, I can't afford therapy, so I talk to y'all. Right? You know, and, and Lori sometimes just like, women, you know, we're just still magnolias. I'm like, I hate it when you say that. Because I can't watch that movie because there's a little girl in that movie who dies. And, a do- and I'm like, oh. you know, that would, I have a daughter. That's weird. That's hard. I just, let's just don't talk about it. And she says, oh, we're just tough. We're tough. And we're tender. And I'm like, I hate it when you say that. But most men are scared of their emotions. And, but we shouldn't be. We should just be willing to walk into that and to walk through it. Because God gives us a church family to love and accept us. We don't have to do it by ourselves. It's not a man contest. It's not a how tough am I contest. See, healing happens best in community. And, and, and that's why... You need to be in a life group somewhere. We've got tons and tons of life groups. And you're like, I'm too busy and I don't need it. Well, number one, I've got, we've got a solution coming up for you if you think you're too busy. So we've got that coming up. So just be listening for that. But if you think that I don't need it, maybe you don't need it, but maybe somebody in that group needs you. And maybe the reason you're so defensive about it and you keep backing away and say, I don't want to do the life group thing is and God is kind of tugging you because God wants you there because he's got something that he wants to use your experiences to teach somebody else and to help somebody else. Don't think that it's all just about you. Maybe it's a great opportunity for you to, to minister to other people who are around you. Uh, and, and we're better together anyway. Healing comes in community. You can't heal by yourself. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, Paul's got several verses he writes here. He says, so we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're all the same body. And so if one of us is hurting, we need to take care of the other person that's hurting. And if we're hurting, we need to tell other people that, hey, I'm hurting. 
In, in verse 12, 10, he says, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So men, especially some of us are really competitive. Make it into a contest. I'm going to out-honor you. I, I'm going to show you more honor than you can show me. <laughs> that, that I might be on a culture of honor. That would be remarkable. Uh, verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So we come alongside. We don't pretend nothing's wrong. We want to come alongside and strengthen one another. Uh, and Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up. Just you're doing. Keep building one another up. Taking care of one another. So let me give you four suggestions for comforting people. Because every single person, either you need comfort or someone in your life needs comfort from you. Either you need comfort or someone in your life needs comfort from you. So four things real quickly. Uh, Number one, um, never minimize others' pain. Don't sit there and go, well, you're not hurting as bad as I am. It's not a contest. They are hurting to the extent that is difficult for them. We have a daughter with a chronic illness. I've been around people who have been hurting. When you go up to somebody and you say, well, at least it's not this. It's very hurtful. Like I heard someone say a few years ago whose child had just died. Well, at least you still have two more kids. Don't do that. So just eliminate at least from your vocabulary. Uh, Number two, don't try and fix it because you're not going to be able to fix it anyway. And men, we especially struggle with this. So don't try and fix it. God can fix it. God can heal it. Uh, God can ultimately bring the comfort. But don't try and fix it. Uh, The the third thing is don't rush. Uh, Don't rush somebody through their grief. Like, hey, man, you know, your dad died three months ago. When are you going to get back in the game? For some people, it may take a very short amount of time. For some people, it may take a while. But, but don't rush them. You can't get around it. You can't go over it. You got to go through it. And, and, and don't avoid the subject. When my wife's mom passed away, you know, there would be, you know, she'd start talking about her mom and she, her eyes would get kind of watered up. And so I'd try and change the subject because I thought if I changed the subject, it would help. And she said, tell me, said, Arthur, she said, I love talking about my mom. And, and it turns out that you know, most people never get over the loss of their mom. It, it hurts you for your whole life. And she said, I like talking about her. And so don't, it, it doesn't hurt me for us to talk about her. And so when someone's hurt, you don't have to change the subject or avoid the subject or anything like that. Just let them talk. Because sometimes they want to tell you what a wonderful person the person was that they're mourning. God uses grief to help us grow. God doesn't waste any of his actions in our life. And he uses uh, grief to help us grow. Yeah, C.S. Lewis says that, that God uses pain like a megaphone. 
to get our attention. Uh, in Proverbs twenty thirty, it says that blows that wound cleanse away evil, strokes that make clean the inner, strokes make clean the innermost part. Just like when you go, you go have surgery. I mean, have you thought about that? Okay, here's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go to this building that I know nothing about. I'm going to let them put stuff in me that I really don't know what it does to me and let them strap me to a table and someone's going to take a knife and cut me open. There's a lot of trust involved in that. There's a lot of pain. But there's like, okay, after this, I'm going to be better. And so the, the whole idea is that sometimes the pain that we go through is it's going to cause us to grow and things are going to be better. Uh, the, another thing is that, is that God brings good out of bad. I mean, you see this time after time after time. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so sometimes God is working in our lives in a way that we're not even thinking about because he's going to bring about something good in our lives. Um, and uh, the third thing I, I guess that he says is that is it prepares us for heaven. It gets us ready as, as we are. Uh, he uses this to grow us so that we're ready for heaven. Because he says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, it says, for this light momentary affliction. So see, if you're a Christ follower, as difficult as your life might be sometimes, you, you lost your job, the marriage is falling apart, the kids are going crazy, the car won't run, you can't make the house payment. You're like, ah, it's temporary. See, we, we've lost the perspective of being able to have eternal perspective because we think about everything in two-week segments. But it's a light momentary affliction. As difficult as things are here, we're going to have forever in heaven. And so he says, look, there's got to be a different perspective here. And so it's just temporary. He says it's light momentary affliction. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says that we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And he's getting us ready because you will get there and go, wow, that was so bad there. This was so great here. And if you are a Christ follower, do you realize this is as much hell as you will ever have to endure? This is the, the worst it will ever be for you of all eternity. But if you are not a Christ follower, this is as good as it gets. I mean, right there, you ought to say, I tell you what, I think I need to follow Jesus. Listen, if you're not a Christ follower, in eternity, heaven, earth is going to seem like heaven to you. Man, that was really great when I was there. I'd say you could do better. God also uses our pain to help others. Second Corinthians chapter one, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of how much comfort? All comfort. He can take care of you. He will come alongside you with strength. He will give you all the strength that you need who comforts us in all our affliction so that, why does he do all that? Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you realize that maybe the affliction, the difficulty, the hard time that you have been walking through is because God is using that so that you can turn around and help other people later on who have gone through what you went through first? I have never been an addict. 
I know theory about it. I know I've read books about it, about how it grips you and changes your neural pathways and all that kind of stuff, but I don't get it. I never walked through it. I haven't lost anybody who, who served in the armed forces. I, I, I haven't, I, other than Lori's mom, I haven't had these really, people really close to me, I haven't had anyone pass away yet. But I do know that there are things that I've walked through in my life that I can help other people with. And you've got things that you can help other people with. If you'll take that hurt and what you learn from it and turn around and share it with other people. Because every day you need to comfort somebody. Or somebody needs to comfort you. Every day. You need to comfort somebody or somebody needs to comfort you. And the last thing, God gives us hope that lasts forever. We tend to discount that because we just want to, we want to stop. Sometimes the, 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 the grieving, we don't want to think about it, just make it stop. But that's a great perspective to have is that God gives us hope that lasts forever. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. And in Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I love that. The first thing is the, the intimate relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father is that God himself will wipe away your tears. You know, it touches my face, my wife and my daughter. It's a very intimate thing. You're not going to have 37 different people touch your face today. When you're grieving, Someone who's very close to you might do that. So our Heavenly Father, not far away, not far off, but close. He will come alongside you with strength. And the other thing I love, it says that there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more hurt. But in the meantime, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. So homework this week, two quick questions for you. Who do you need to strengthen? Would you pray and say, God, who in my circle of influence this week is hurting? Show me those people. And maybe somebody at work, maybe some neighbor, maybe somebody you eat lunch with. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe somebody you've been taking chemistry with for the last semester. I have no idea. But God, would you show me someone who's hurting so that I can come alongside them with strength? Don't worry about having the words to say. Just be a companion for them at first. Second thing, who needs to strengthen you? Maybe what you need to do is you need to tell some people in your life group, hey, I haven't told you about this, but I'm really hurting. This happened to me last summer. 
Maybe you need to tell your wife because she'll come alongside you with strength. Maybe you need to tell your son. Maybe you need to tell that guy you used to go fishing with all the time. Say, look, this is what happened. I need you to come alongside me with strength. Can you help me? They're not going to know what to say. But they'll, they'll probably listen. And, and if you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, I don't know what to tell you. Except that you're missing out on acceptance and the king of the universe who says he wants a relationship with you. You don't have to live your life all broken. It doesn't have to be that way. You can be healed and you can keep growing. I hope that you'll determine that you're going to keep growing. Begin a relationship with Jesus and don't just lay around broken. Let him heal you.